and we are live. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Quick Brew. I'm Vicky. And I'm Katie. And if you haven't joined us before, Quick Brews is the little sister of Strong Tea. Now, Quick Brews is still fantastic. It's just without a guest, which means you get more me and Vicky time, which I think is good. Do you I agree? Think lucky. Well, I do. I, I think, what more could you ask for, really? Exactly. Um, and just like Strong Tea, though, we do talk about taboo topics. We talk about things which people are trying to shy away from, stick their head in the sand over, and things that people just don't talk about, which need more airtime. So that's what we're doing. Also, just like Strong Tea, we talk about what we're drinking. So, Vicky, mm-hmm. over to you. What are you drinking today? So, a wonderful friend of mine sent me some... Um, Is it me? Do you know what? It wasn't. Oh my God, have you got another tea sender? I've got a friend, another tea friend. How? Do, okay, firstly, I'm upset you have another friend. Secondly, yeah, that friend is sending you tea, which is my job. I know, dude. Rude, I know. rude. I, know. I don't know if I can do this thing. <laughs> I have let you down. I've let the podcast <laughs> down. What is happening here? I don't know. Get to send me some too as well. But yeah, go on. But thank you. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> oh, oh. Thank you. Can't um, compete. So- <laughs> yeah, but my my friend Richard sent me um a, a it was a lovely um glass pot full of tea pigs morning glory. Oh, I think I think there was a bit of ribbing and a bit of fun to be had, but um yeah, so I'm having one of those. Which and what is it? It's it's well, it's a obviously a tea bag, and it's just um breakfast tea, but oh. yeah, but tea pigs. Um, and I did warn him that I have particular standards for breakfast tea and have they been met sorry have the standards been met i don't know if he's going to listen to this episode that's the problem i'm still now it sounds like you have doubts so even if he does (laughs) listen he'll be like she's lying if she says yes and if she says no then i failed as a friend so you pick your words carefully and with i'll review it on another episode how about that (laughs) oh richard tune in for tune in for every episode because you never know which is going to come on (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) what are you drinking i was very dull now in comparison because i bought them for myself um because i have no other friends to buy me tea um (laughs) oh but if only you could see vicky she's spitting tea out all over the place i'm sorry Uh, Um, and I've gone for a pucker vanilla chai. Oh, see, that sounds really nice. Mm, it is nice. It is. Yeah. yeah. It so sounds feel, like a warm hug. Feel like it's soothing my soul. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. I like that. So talking about soothing souls. Oh, um, segue. That, I know. Did you like that? You, you I didn't feed even plan it. That. I just, yeah. You line it, it works. up. I just knock it out of the park. Excellent. So this is the quick brew to mark the end of our death series. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes, um, understandably, some of them contain triggering uh, material and details that may be difficult to listen to. But there are a couple of episodes in there as well that are a bit more factual based and more interesting, particularly those with Jane. And we recommend that, as we do with all of these topics, that we do need to talk about it more. But this particular episode, we're kind of bringing it all to a close and we're talking about the world of death. So this is more of a look about um, what death looks like around the world, how they uh, mark death, grief and loss. We're going to look at some statistics. We're going to look at how it's um, celebrated in different cultures and countries. I'm also going to have a look at the history and talk a little bit about the afterlife. Yes, we are. 
and we want to start it off as I know you love to do. Mm. I know you love this statistics. Statistics. I love it. I am going to buy you some sort of crown slash hat um, <laughs> that that means that you can wear it during the statistics round because I know it's it's what sets your soul on fire, isn't it? I really? love it. Yeah, I do love it. And I know when we were planning this, we were talking about um, the different uh, different types of statistics that we could work on. And I know you've focused a lot of yours on UK based ones. Yes, but I've done mine as uh, worldwide. So. Mm-hmm. How many people die in the world every day? I would say, oh, crikey. Okay. It feels, what I will say is it feels quite low. Oh, okay. So the number of people that are in the world feels quite a low number. Go on, hit me. 36,741. In the world? Yeah. Wow. That doesn't seem very many, does it? It doesn't, does it? No. But the, the more I look at it, the more I think, I wonder if that's factually correct. But I did get it off um, a statistics, an, an official statistics website. Kind of does indicate about overpopulation, doesn't it? Because I wonder if you then offset that with the number of births. Well, interestingly enough, I looked at death rates by country. Oh, okay. Yeah. And... The top three, as you would probably imagine, are ones with extremely high populations. So India is the number one, China's number two, and the United States is number three. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily fall in all the way down the list. And for example, Russia features at number six and the most deaths per day, but it's not got as many people in it as say for example pakistan or brazil so the population number is less but the death rate is higher so just because the country has more people doesn't necessarily mean it's got the most people dying Mm. so it's and obviously this the more recent ones um ukraine is up there quite highly because of course the war so that features at number 12 um Mm. but then you've got like for example um the democratic republic of congo and that features at number 11, but has far less people than Mexico. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, you think about the things that are happening in the countries, and obviously that has quite a big hit. Yeah. So yeah. what's happening in the UK? So in the UK, my first stat, average cost of dying. Oh, okay. Is this paying the ferryman or is this... is? Uh... <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, you've gone early with the culture there. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'll, rate it, I'll rate it back in. <laughs> oh, but I love it. Um, so the average cost of dying is calculated by adding the average cost of a basic funeral, the average amount spent on a send-off, and the average amount spent on professional fees. So um, when I say average cost of basic funeral, that's things for th- cremation, the burial itself, the funeral director, doctor, the ministerial celebrant, and the send-off, I mean things like memorial, death and funeral notices, flowers, uh, limousines, venue, catering, those kind of things. So what do you think the average cost of dying in the UK is? Mm, I, know it's, uh, I know it's quite high, um, and only because you see all those... Um 
god awful adverts between the news and it's like oh pay for your funeral now yeah. and oh do you know how much a funeral costs and there's like this family sitting around <laughs> chatting about it at breakfast and I'm like who does that <laughs> um but as Jane says we almost talk about it more so it's fine um I don't know uh see when you've just listed all those things that's quite a lot to factor in isn't it mm-hmm. uh six maybe six and a half grand something like that Oh, you're in. You're going in the right direction. It's eight thousand eight hundred and sixty-four pounds is the wow. average cost of dying. Now there are ch- <laughs> there are cheaper ways to die, people, and <laughs> you know that. But that's Budget. kind of the Budget death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you can, you can, um, as we'll cover later. Um, but yeah, there are kind of yeah, there are ways of slimming that cost down. Just so don't want to put the fear of you know oh. God out there. But yeah, that's the average cost of dying in the UK. Wow, I don't. Mm. That's that's a lot more than I thought. I mean, who's got mm. like eight grand kicking around to yes. spend when they're not here anymore? Like yeah. you just be like, oh, I've got eight grand. I'm going to go and buy something now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stuff what is left behind. Let someone else yeah. deal with it. It's mad, isn't it? But what I don't know. Sorry, family. Is... <laughs> <laughs> You're putting the cost. Yes. Um, and I don't know if that includes things like headstones because they're quite expensive. Are so, they? Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure. I couldn't funnel the costing down to the to the minute. So mm. yeah. Gosh, that yeah. is expensive. Yeah. I suppose it so, gives it gives consideration to how people want to be left when they go, doesn't it? Like, because there yeah. are lots of different things. I see those nice um they're not nice because they're a coffin, but you know, the wicker ones. Yeah. They're supposed yeah, to yeah, be yeah. more environmentally friendly. And those are cheaper yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, those are cheaper. You can get earth pods. Have you heard of these? I have, yes. And mm. they, don't they plant like with a tree? That's mm. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's beautiful. I do think that's beautiful. It's not for everyone. Um, But, yeah, it does make you wonder if the fruit grew on the tree, would you eat the fruit? Mm, interesting. And, uh, you know, I was listening again back to the episode that we did with Jane mm. about um, death and dying and about how you can have people buried in your back garden. Mm. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, when, when we were talking about that, I hadn't really thought about it in a logistical sense. And, of course, she was sort of saying, you know, farmers and they have a lot of land and you can do that. And I'm just thinking of like someone that lives in a terraced house that's dug up their patio, you know, (laughs) a a la Brookside type, you know, (laughs) obviously, you know, it was written in, that's what they wanted that, (laughs) they were meant to be here, it's fine. Um, But I just, I don't know, I know obviously everyone's different, but I don't know how I, how I feel about that. Mm, it's interesting isn't it it is and I know each to their own and people feel very differently and people feel very differently as well about burial and cremation yeah what how do you feel about those well I was gonna say do you want to just get into this now what about what we want because I mean I know we probably put that at the end or we're going to talk about that at the end but um yeah I think for me um I want medical science to use what they can I'm a bit broken in parts um, but <laughs> medical science go for it you know take what you need if it can help save lives if it can help educate people um i.e what the hell is that yeah. um, that's not normal um <laughs> then yeah take the bits that you want and then whatever's left um probably burial um with a nice as i said a lovely great big headstone with a nice rainbow on it and just nice. a nice kind of 
maybe Jonathan can write me a haiku or something or yes I don't know just something with a story and just something really nice you know yes yeah what about you that's a great shout and I my my views on it have changed as Mm. I go um through life and I I used to really struggle with the concept of cremation Mm. um because uh thought of and I know you're right this is so weird because you're dead so why do you have a fear of being burnt but the Mm. concept of actually that going in you know and the curtains closing and it all being very final and being burnt is like used to really terrify me and I like that whole process but the more I think about it and I used to be very much like no I don't want to donate stuff because I want to be whole but then I think what waste what waste to just get rid of all that stuff that could go and help someone the only thing I'm a bit funny with is my eyes oh okay I don't I mean no one's gonna want my eyes because I have to wear glasses and people will just be like these are secondhand rubbish um so probably no one's gonna want them anyway but I use that's the only bit I'm funny about and when I think about it now I think actually if I could go on to help others then Mm. but then I think I would go for cremation afterwards and have my ashes scattered yeah probably in two separate places um so I think that's probably what I would go for that's really nice because I do like the idea of um you know you see people with their ashes and they turn them into diamonds or Mm. you know because my mum I've got a locket and I carry some of her ashes in my locket um and that means a lot to me though yeah. and I know some people find that macabre they're kind of like mm, okay but no no I yeah. I've got I've got Poppy's ashes and mm. I want to do something like that but I haven't mm. been able to bring myself to do it course, I, brought, yeah. I brought my mum and uh my mother-in-law a um both I bought them both items of jewelry at Christmas with her fingerprints in. oh yes yeah oh beautiful and that was yeah. that was really special and I, yeah. I you know I don't I don't say I enjoyed doing that but it was something to be able to you yeah. know re- re- actively remember her by and yeah. you know to be able to give that as a gift and yeah so I want something like that but I also want something done with her ashes because I want her close to me yeah so I that's don't think that's I don't think that's weird no oh, I do right. I, I do think the whole and again each to their own so if you do this you know no no offense because everyone does their own thing but I'm not I, I'm not a big fan of keeping ashes on the side somewhere I yeah. can't do you do that no 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 yeah. um we've still got mum <laughs> she's sat next to me now um... <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you have said she's the bringer of tea she really yeah she really is yeah she's <laughs> Yeah, we we still haven't scattered mum yet. Uh, we're waiting for the the right time and the right kind of place. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, we will scatter. We're not just going to keep her on kind of next to me. <laughs> but I understand because <laughs> I, I, I know I know some people that do it, mm. and um, I have I have had this conversation with other people, and they've said, yeah, but it's nice because you can, you know, you've got the ashes on the side. It's almost like a place to go to talk to that person. That's nice. Yeah, and I I get it. I, I do get it but I have got in my bedroom I've got a little separate shelf and it's got a picture of Poppy and yeah. it's got a little candle that a friend of mine bought me with her date of birth on it and I that's her ashes aren't there but that's mm. where I that's where I go to remember her that's I look at that every yeah. day and that's more for me it's kind of like a little it sounds like it's not a shrine no 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 but it's- 
yeah but we've we've i think over time in history what we've done with graveyards in particular where we've buried bodies and put headstones that's where we go to talk or that's where we go to reflect yeah but that's not where they were does that make sense they they yes. were never there before that's just where they've been laid to rest yeah so like your and you know i would say shrine it's beautiful it's mm. somewhere where you go to reflect and talk and whatever so there's no reason why that can't be mobile because why would you want it in just one yeah place where the body is because it, yeah. it's bizarre when you really think about it why would you go to a place where the ashes have been spread or a body to talk yeah <laughs> but some people some people like having that separation as well don't they where they can yeah. go and I, so I, I I do understand things from different because everyone's different aren't yeah, they when it comes yeah. to the loss of a loved one some people need that distance definitely and that separation and other people want that closeness and mm. you know um I know people who have put ashes into like a pot <clears throat> and planted mm. a special plant in it and so that, that pot can be brought with them when they move house if they move house because yeah. if you do it in the garden, then of course, well, yeah. If you move, yeah. you're leaving. Have you heard about the tattoos that you can have done with ashes? No. Yes. So you can have. Now there are specialist people because I looked into it, and I have got um, a tattoo artist who I trust implicitly to do all my tattoos. He's wonderful. Um, anyone looking for a tattoo, let me know because I can recommend him. He's very good. <laughs> yes, I knew Vicky. Um, and um, I spoke to him about it. And there are specialist trained people to do this. And you basically send them a small amount of the ashes and they mix it into the ink and then they tattoo it into the skin, um, essentially wow. leaving you with that person with you at all times however my tattoo artist said I wouldn't recommend it he said because essentially you are introducing a foreign body even though you are with the ink right the ashes you know it's introducing another foreign body into your bloodstream you don't know how your body's going to react to that Mm. so it could it's you know the fact that it's done and it is legal you know indicates that it should be be safe Mm. but you know my body doesn't always react the way that everybody else's body reacts so I just think actually I'd much rather have it you know do something with it and create something that I can wear that's special yeah rather than potentially give myself an infection yeah yeah you'd be gutted (laughs) if you got an infection from it wouldn't you yes absolutely yeah and as it was I had a tattoo done for Poppy anyway which Mm. was you know a special way of remembering her but it hasn't got any ashes in but it's gorgeous tattoo it's thank you gorgeous thank you very much do you want to know how many people in the uk die every year um probably for the purposes of this uh podcast yeah okay. go on then so there were six hundred eighty-nine thousand six hundred twenty-nine deaths in the uk in 2020 now that compared to six hundred four thousand seven hundred seven in 2019 so hold on how many did you say in a year so in 2020 689,629 a year but yours was every day wasn't it yes it was so yeah. I'm just trying to work out if that if that would tally up but yeah okay yeah okay so that's that's quite a lot isn't it it's a lot and that's the highest it's been since 1918 wow yeah I- right well, so I, um, when you said that, see this graph that I've got here. 
I know yeah. everyone else can't see the graph that I've got here, but the highest points of death are the First World War, the Second World War, yeah. and COVID. Yeah. So it's really shocking, isn't it? It makes it makes sense what you're saying. It's yeah. uh, quite frightening. Did you look into the life expectancy? I didn't know. Hit me. Did you? I did. And it's interesting because I'm having a conversation with my husband about this the other day. We don't sit and chat about death or life expectancy <laughs> on the breakfast table. We're having a conversation. My parents were over and um, we were discussing life expectancy differences between English and Scottish. My husband's Scottish. So <laughs> in life expectancy in the UK in 2018 for men was 79 and for women was 83. Now, that's increased since 2002. So in 2002, it was 75 for men and 80 for women. So it has gone up a little bit. Okay. But, and I can't remember because I didn't write it down. I wish I had now. But some places in Scotland are as low as 65 life expectancy for Ooh. men. And some, like, so they did an average across Scotland. And the lowest place, and I, again, I can't remember the place it was, but was 59 for men, life expectancy. Why? Well... I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's lifestyle or if it's just cold. Well, yeah, it's pretty brutal like in some of the highlands, isn't it? Yeah. And I just couldn't get over the difference in, like, you know, wow. how different that is, you know, north of the wall sort of thing. In wildling country. In wildling I, country. I'm guessing, like, because if you're remote, then you've got less access to doctors, less access to hospitals, and so kind I don't know maybe when you get ill multiple times and you're not getting antibiotics yeah. or getting medication or anything it's kind of or it could be a lot of deep fried Mars bars <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't want to point the finger but and do you know what I said so we're going to Edinburgh in a couple of weeks time and I said I'm gonna have a deep fried Mars bar because I've never had one before so I'm quite excited about this and my husband was like oh you gotta try it we'll try it at least once I was like, okay he said but do you know what else they do I was like, oh, tell me. They do. This is uh, this is disgusting, right? They do. It sounds amazing and disgusting all at the same time. Deep fried pizza. No. What? <laughs> right. So what? you know the pizzas that you get from the supermarket? You know, do you remember those little ones that you used to get when you were a kid? And they're yeah. sort of smaller size and they had that really crap base with all the yeah, little yeah, holes yeah. in. Cheese and tomato. They get yeah. one of those and they just um, deep fry it. And they just give it to you and you just eat a deep fried pizza. I think a bit of vomit's just come up. <laughs> but are you secretly like, I wonder if they'll deliver one DPD from... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm now thinking I would... Yeah, you know when you wonder if a crunchy, what a crunchy little kind of bug tastes like and if it does taste like peanuts. I'm now no. wondering. No. If, oh, okay, no, no. no just me. Um, see, <laughs> and that's indicative that I'd be willing... To eat a dead grasshopper over a deep fried pizza. Okay, well, if we ever go on a Bush Tucker trial, I'll have deep fried food, not bugs, and you can try the bugs. Please tell us what's that, what that's like. Well, I'm not going to have the deep fried pizza because I doubt Mm. it's gluten free, but I will have a deep fried Mars bar and I will try and take a photo and we'll put it on social media. I'm not being funny. I don't think gluten is the key problem with a deep fried pizza. I'm just saying. Well, it is for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, cardiovascular issues. A close second, but for me, it's the gluten. (laughs) 
love it. But speaking of um, uh, cardiovascular, do you want to know what the leading cause of death are in the world? Please. Death by deep fried pizza. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, um, well, uh, the top one is heart disease. Not surprisingly, mm-hmm. um, it just it says ischemic heart disease, but it hasn't mm-hmm. gone into too much further detail. And uh, number two is stroke. Mm-hmm. And number three is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And then further down, you have things like Alzheimer's, dementia, diabetes, kidney, mm-hmm. neonatal conditions. Um, and that makes up the top 10. However, oh. and I know you're, you'll enjoy this because I know you enjoy guessing stuff. So I have looked here about some weird deaths. Weird, weird causes of death. And um, so... Human deaths caused by animals. What do you think the top three deadliest animals were? I've heard hippos are really bad. Not, they're not in my top four. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe not hippos then. Dogs? Dogs is number three. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, jellyfish? No. No? Oh, mosquitoes. That's number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kills over a million people every year. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, I don't know what number two is. Go on. Number two is snakes. Oh. But do you want to know what number four is? Go on. <laughs> Freshwater snails. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to say cows for some reason. <laughs> Why? What, what, because they fall on people or? Oh, they chase people. Cows can be vicious. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, like Highland cows or any cows? Oh, any cows. Yeah, not surely not the not the dairy Frisians. Oh, they always look yeah. quite nice. Yeah, I mean, it's not that they carry daggers or anything like that with them. It's just yeah, they're baseball caps backwards and kind <laughs> gang of, cow culture, gang, yeah, <laughs> gang warfare in the dairy fields. Um, <laughs> no, so what, what's wrong with snails then? I don't know, but it was featured very highly up there at number four. And I think like crocodiles and stuff come below that. And I was just like, snails. Okay. See, now, I'm, now I'm just imagining little snails with like ninja balaclavas on slowly <laughs> creeping up. Really slowly. Really <laughs> slowly. But this 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 is making me think now. Like, see, with all these things, we're educating people, but we're not giving them everything. It's like <laughs> go and educate yourself. Go and read about freshwater snails. There are loads of people now Googling, going, What? <laughs> yeah. Don't crash your car driving and like no, trying to Google at the exactly. same time. Um, but um there are several um Wikipedia pages that are of interest oh. about weird deaths. Um yeah. one of them is death by coconuts totally with you on that yeah but um <laughs> i either get hit by a coconut either by a person throwing one or one falling out of a tree and hitting you <laughs> yeah but also going into cardiac arrest after consuming too much coconut water because of the high levels of potassium that are in coconuts did not know that i know right this is the coconut fun section water- yeah, coconut water is supposed to be really good for you, though. They always I, say if you want to hydrate, coconut water. I think it is, but I, you know, I don't know exactly how much is called a large amount because, you know, it could be like, you know, when they say when you're pregnant, they're like, oh, pineapple, send you into labor. And everyone, like all the midwives you speak to go, you'd need to eat about 4,000 pineapples for that to be the case. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's a case of you'd need to drink about. 20 oh, okay. liters of coconut water for that to right. take effect okay. but 
I don't know. Um, there's also an entire page on death by laughter. Yes, oh, which wow. can either be cardiac arrest or asphyxiation from not being able to breathe because you're laughing too hard. Oh my god, that's a thing. That's a thing. Um, spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> yes, what? I know. I um, thought that was like, like what's it called? Urban legend. No, 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 no. It actually happens. And uh, death, deaths on the toilet, which was a, a favorite of mine, I must admit. Obviously, Elvis is uh, the famous one, had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was also a guy who was uh, wearing headphones on the toilet and he was sitting on a metal toilet <clears throat> and he got electrocuted. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the poor fella. Yes. And I just want to leave you with one final one which was found on the darwin awards which if you haven't darwin awards you haven't been on this website you've got to go on it because it's just brilliant um (laughs) six people in china drowned down a well trying to save one chicken (laughs) no (laughs) i love my chickens yeah but i did the did the I don't know die? if the chicken survived. <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's what could. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah, and I'll leave you with my final stat because that is a beautiful segue. Is it about in chickens? the U- in uh, not quite <laughs> in the UK? Twenty three percent of all deaths are considered avoidable. Wow! So don't go down a well after a chicken, people. Yeah, send a bucket down. Send a bucket down. Yeah. So now I think we're going to have a chat about death in different cultures and countries because I yeah. think this is this is quite fascinating because we touched on it a little bit with Jane, didn't we, about the different, different religions, yeah. different cultures and how they do things. So do you want to start us off? Because I know you've got some interesting ones. Yeah. Do you know what? I bloody love researching for this episode, um, obviously because I'm a bit of a goth and kind of... Love looking into the it's macabre and the morbid, I, my inner goth. Um, <laughs> but this is just fascinating. Um, so in Madagascar, every few years, the Malagasy people of Madagascar conduct um, a sacred ritual, uh, which is called turning of the bones. And this involves exhuming the graves of loved ones, uh, washing and redressing their bodies and throwing a huge party in their honour. And this ritual... Yes, you have. I have a question. I have a question. Hold on a minute, because uh, surely I know you have mentioned bones, <laughs> but when they say redressing the body, aren't they just a pile of bones? Are they still like so do they this... mummify them? Okay, you carry on. Yeah, but no, that's no, no, my no, question. That's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, I think there's a mummification process of sorts because obviously, if you're exhuming them, kind of every few years, I. Th- what I couldn't get to the bones of is that if <laughs> I'm so clever, lol. Um, um, what I couldn't get a good idea of is if after you've buried your loved one, if you have to wait a few years in order to do it, or if it happens every few years and you just do you see what I mean? Because right, there is okay. a biological reaction to bodies that happen that if you sure. just exhume them too early, then you're not going to be able to do much yeah Mm -hmm. Um, but the ritual is based on the Malagasy belief that the spirit doesn't depart this world until the body has fully rejoined the earth 
And so loved ones need um, caring for long after they die. But what happens is it's a really joyous occasion and there's loads of food, there's music and dancing, and it just gives thanks to to their ancestors. So it sounds really kind of um, weird, unusual and a bit, you know, gross, but actually it's quite a wonderful... Sounds quite cheery, actually. Yeah. Not the dead person bit, but the whole... (laughs) The whole thought and thing behind it. But yeah, so that happens in Madagascar. Oh, well, okay. Um, Well, this is is in Peru. So um, so there's often a a viewing um, and a graveside service after someone dies. But in some instances during that service, guests will chew cocoa leaves and it's thought to allow them to be with their deceased loved ones. And some believe that their loved one is in a deep deep sleep after they pass away, while others believe that they are in another world. So it's kind. I don't know if it acts as like a hallucinogenic. hallucinogenic. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, but I don't because coke aren't coke. Oh, it's cocoa beans that are chocolate and yeah things. But so I don't know about the leaf. Maybe the leaf is there. There is a little bell going off in my head about there is a toxic element to cocoa plants. Can't remember, but uh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, maybe if they chew too many of them, they'll end up with them. Well, yeah, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So a little bit of the opposite end of the spectrum of that is in Australia. Australia. I even went Australian. Australia. Australia. <laughs> and funerals and mourning of, is very much a communal activity in the Aboriginal culture. So families, friends and members of large communities will come together to grieve and support one another when when someone dies. And the ceremonies can last days or or weeks. And within some indigenous groups, there's a strong tradition of not speaking the name of the dead person um, because it's believed that speaking the name will disturb their spirit. And communities often refer to the person who has died by a substitute name instead. Is that forever or just initially after they've died? Um, I think it's I think it's forever. Wow. I think but even photographs or depiction of the person who's died um may also be seen as a disturbance of their spirit so this is why aboriginal families won't have photographs of their loved ones after they die um and not all communities conform to this tradition um but it's still commonly observed in the um northern territory of of australia how oh, that's mm. interesting because you do, why would you give them like a substitute name mm that's weird mm. that's weird yeah. um i've got um a weird weird and wonderful one now oh, good one sky burials mm. yes sorry yeah <laughs> i researched this i found this one amazing go on a sky burial means that the deceased individual's body is prepared and offered to vultures mm. who are believed to help transition the soul to heaven and eventually into reincarnation a sky mm. burial is popular in Buddhist cultures and focuses on the idea of feeding the living. Yeah. That's quite a, that's sort of like, almost like the circle of life type thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's like the, the soul's gone from the body. The body now just needs to be returned back to nature. Yeah. I don't, I mean, if I mm. couldn't deal with being burnt, I can't deal with being picked <laughs> apart by vultures. Vultures, yeah. <laughs> Not for it's me. A- it's a fascinating one that one because they um they said it's a they they place them at the top of a mountain usually there's a particular place where they put the bodies on top of a mountain for the animals and for the elements to to 
to get to the body. It's interesting you to and it's it's not in my research, but only because I read about it separately. Do you know about what happens when people die on Everest? Go on. They just leave them there. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't send a search party up, can you? No. And they there's um I can't remember who it was, but there was a a group that went up, and one of the guys fell and um snapped his leg, and he's still there. He's still just solid, frozen solid on Everest and they they've marked the site where he is but they they haven't brought him down and that's just what happens when people die on Everest it's nuts isn't it well I mean it's yeah I would say died in a place that he loved but do you know what I mean (laughs) oh I know it's an amazing thing to to do but it's you know I I guess it's with all these things that have, have got these um sort of exhilarating um fear factors to them Mm -hmm. there's got to be a certain point when the adrenaline of what you're doing and the fear of death outweighs the joy of doing it usually when you snap your leg I imagine (laughs) that's when and die yeah and die that's when it damn it I'll say it's killed it for me (laughs) but talking about doing something that you love and reflecting it in death in Ghana this is wonderful they do fantasy coffins Oh, what's that? So basically, it's not, it's, it's beautiful and it's um, deemed as funeral art, um, but they are fully functioning caskets and they're made to look like animals, objects. I've seen pictures of ones like lions, chickens, designer shoes. I saw one in the shape of a Porsche and it's evolved um, from the traditional burial rites of the Gar people of Ghana and, and Togo. And it, the modern fantasy coffin has been pioneered by a craftsman who first came to fame in, in 1960s. And basically, it's still active today. And the bereaved can choose many different shapes and designs for their loved one's fantasy coffins. And what it is, is it basically reflects the person's profession, hobbies oh. or loves. So the pictures that I saw, I saw one of a Porsche, a chicken, there was a leopard and there was a plane and they basically just designed the caskets into these shapes. And they're beautiful. I mean, some of them are massive. <laughs> they gone all out, but they're beautiful. Yeah, well, absolutely I, fascinating. When you said a designer shoe, I've got in my head that it's it's like a platform shoe and the person <laughs> is sort of lying. Designer, yeah. it's like, like almost upright. That, that's yeah. what's gone through my head. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's crazy. Well, it must make, I I really like the idea that, you know, you see like the Day of the Dead festivals and things like that. And you have all these places that you watch their traditions of their funerals taking Mm. place. And obviously death is such a difficult thing to Mm. get your head around and to accept really, isn't it? The loss of a loved one. And I love the idea that a lot of these places just subscribe to the whole let's really celebrate Mm. life I mean I know when we talked with Jane she said you know we have a celebration of life we don't have a wake we don't have a funeral it's a celebration of life Mm. and I know we we try and do that in this country but really it's not we don't we don't do it do we because we're far too reserved I think as a people um but just the way that like you see these huge parties and people playing musical instruments and really celebrating that person you Mm. just think why aren't we more like that yeah no absolutely and I think um I was looking into a lot of the memento mori which I'll talk about a little bit in in a bit 
about reminders of that yes you know memento mori literally stands for you you must die but that's a reminder that you've got to live that you know yes time is precious yes you are going to die but what are you going to do with that time it's it's yeah. time to live and i love that idea yeah because so yeah. many people are like and it's obviously this is an episode that we have recorded but aren't releasing until december but when we talk with jonathan Mm. and him living his life because he thought he was going to die mm. and he just just went for it didn't he yeah I mean he's still yes. just going for it I mean imagine being 73 and just traveling the world it's just amazing isn't it and just it having is. that yeah and just that not a gift that's the wrong way of saying it but having that mind frame of excuse the language but fuck it I'm just gonna go and yeah. live and make every second count and yeah I get annoyed because why don't I have that? I shouldn't have to have been in, you know, Katie's or, you know, or Jonathan's situation where mortality is right in front of you. Yeah. We should naturally just be every second counts. Let's let's live it to the full. But but it is, you know, like when we I've tried to discuss this in the past and people say, yeah, but you can't actually live your life like that. Mm. because it's you know you have responsibilities and you have you know everyday living and you know it's and I get that but it's the whole you know when people um put off doing things and I think if the last year has taught me anything it's kind of like you know what you Mm. can't just wait for stuff to happen you know I know of family members that have gotten ill and between the time that they were diagnosed and the time they died very very quickly and you just think wow that's just taken them and you just don't know what's around the corner so you have to take the opportunities whilst you have them and you have to spend as much time with those that you love and cut the the toxic toxicity out of your life you know there's no time for that and I think that's that's what's important yes it's great to live at each moment and be in the moment Mm -hmm. and not live in the past or be striving for the future all the time but living in the moment but it's about what you're doing in the moment get rid of the people that are negative and that don't do anything to enhance your life and spend more time with those that make you feel warm and fluffy yeah exactly like you Oh, I'm like you, I was going to say, but then oh, I thought that dude. was um, too prissy, so I didn't say it. Um, Can I go really dark for a second? Oh, go on then. You mentioned Scotland, didn't you? Yeah. So, <clears throat> in the 19th century, um, <laughs> there was a spate of uh, body snatching. Oh, oh, yes, I read the book! <laughs> <laughs> go on. So in Scotland, you'll find a dead house. Now, there were quite a few of these dead houses, but this one in particular is quite quite famous. It's um, Crail Dead House. And it was erected to secure the dead because it was a time of body snatching. And there was a huge, huge demand for, for cad- cadavers, uh, dead bodies for medical teaching. And a le- legitimate supply of dead bodies was inadequate. There just wasn't enough. So... Robert Knox, who ran the New Museum of Sturgeon's Hall, he ran an anatomy school. And in 1826, he had an advertisement saying, arrangements have been made to secure, as usual, an ample supply of anatomical subjects. So basically what he would do is he would pay body snatchers. So he would pay £10 for a body in winter, and £8 in summer, which back then was loads of money. 
So knowing that this was happening in kind of broad daylight, it brought horror to the loved ones who, you know, who were going to have their family dug up and, and violated in this way. Is so this why, quite... Sorry, is this why you're going to dedicate your body to uh, science so that you get ahead of body snatchers? Uh, yeah, pretty much, you know. I mean, so I'm doing it. You don't have to take me. It's fine. I'll go with my own accord. <laughs> then again, I'd be quite macabre, like, yeah, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> tell me. Snatch tell me. me. What are you doing with me? Nothing real. That's why I'm alive as well. Um, <laughs> so the, what would happen is that the Crayle Dead House was used as a method um, to, to keep the bodies safe. So what would happen is that the recently deceased would be locked away in there for three months in the winter and six weeks in summer until the body had reached the point of putrefaction, I can't say the word, which basically means that they were so rotten that anatomists wouldn't be able to use them. And then then they could bury them and allow them to rest at peace because body snatchers aren't going to want rotting bodies. Um, But they still got their bodies, though. And two years after Crow Dead House was built, you might want to look uh, look up William Burke and William Hare. Now, they were notorious serial killers who then killed people and sold them on in the guise that they had snatched the bodies. So nice true crime link there. Have you, so, read, have you read the book? I haven't, but I've seen a couple of documentaries about Burke and Hare and the legacy they've left and what they did with their bodies as well, which is quite interesting. I'll, I'll see if I can uh, find the book. We've got a book that's been passed down in our family and it's one of those, you know, those really dog-eared books that's yeah. just got bits falling off of it. And when my mum gave it to me, I have read it like four or five times. I love it. And there's like more bits falling out of it and she's having to stuff the pages back in. But it's... Oh, it's I'd love to read that. Like it's fascinating knowing how they thought right, well, we need to get the bodies. And they'd done it a couple of times. And mm. then they were like, oh, well, we're getting more and more money. And yeah. they started killing prostitutes. And then they um, they set up a, like a boarding house. Yeah. And they were just killing people that were just yeah. staying over who weren't going to be missed. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy what they did. And it's, yeah, like you say, true yeah. crime. <laughs> they um, th- The end of the story, not to spoil it, is they, they didn't get away with it, folks. They didn't they get did away not. with it. Far, far from it. Oh, and and didn't they get what was coming to them? Oh yes, they truly <laughs> did. It's it's well worth a true crime revisit. That one. Have you uh, have you heard of drive-through funerals? No. <laughs> uh, popular in Japan and sometimes the United States, it's a drive-through funeral, just like a drive-through wedding, but a funeral oh, wow. instead. Wow! So that tips that eight grand in the opposite direction, then. Well, yeah, because it's quick, quick and easy. Wow. Wow. How did you do that? Do you know what? I didn't read up on it um, any any further because I was like, I've got so much stuff. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, we're going to be here all day. And do you know what? We've, we've almost done an hour already and we're not even through to the other Not bit. even. Yeah. Um, I, the, uh, the only other ones I wanted to say was about um, cultures celebrating death. Mm-hmm. So um, the Irish wake... We all know the Irish love awake. And it's a mix between emotional highs and lows. Loved ones, neighbours and community members watch over the body prior to the funeral and exchange stories, cry, sing, pray and enjoy each other's company. Which I think I think sounds quite nice. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, South Africa after tears party is a time when people get together, share memories and celebrate the life of their deceased loved ones after the funeral. So it sounds it sounds more, you know, I always think of the wake of going to stand in 
excuse my French, a really shit village hall mm. or a pub mm. and mm. it being really like miserable and everyone's yeah. dark and crying and everything's very sad, you know, and it's, it, yeah, funerals are hard, but that whole sharing memories and stuff yeah. is like the, um in Mexico, um, we talked about the, the Day of the Dead, uh, mm. using it as a way to connect, reconnect and honour their deceased loved ones. Yeah. And the Hungry Ghost Festival, not as in the Hungry Ghost, as in like the Hungry Caterpillar, but the country. <laughs> oh, it's actually not. It's actually the Hungry Ghost Festival. It's not Hungry the country. It's the Hungry Ghost. <laughs> because it's in China, not in Hungary. Are you okay? Are you going to choke on your drink? Fine. I've just got images of Casper being really, really overweight. Nom 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 nom. <laughs> so the Hungry Ghost Festival, I shall read on, um, occurs in uh China in July and August, and is a time to celebrate ancestors, but it's also a time to be wary of ghosts that may wreak havoc. Rituals and customs such as preferring food to feed ghosts. Oh. And honouring your deceased loved ones are ways to stay protected. I'm loving that. The hungry ghost. The hungry ghost. I was like reading that and I was like, they've spelled hungry wrong. And I'm like, no, no. Actually, <laughs> hungry as in it's just yeah, a hungry ghost. Them. Yeah. Fair enough. Shall we talk, have a quick talk, because we haven't got a lot of time left. Because we haven't got a lot of time. About the afterlife. Let's have a talk about the afterlife. You can go first because I know you're chomping at the bit to do this one. Yeah, so this is another one of my favourite bits. So in ancient Greece, the Greeks believed that people died and ended up in Hades, which was a grey and misty place where the Lord of the Dead ruled. And others believed in a paradise-like place called Olympic Pantheon or, or on Mount Olympus, where gods such as Zeus lived and decided the fate of humanity. And the people who lived a good life and were constantly in the minds of the living enjoyed sunny places and sunny pleasures of the Elysium. Those forgotten, so where people didn't think about them, they wandered eternally in the bleakness of Hades, while the wicked fell into the dark pits of Tartarus. So although the gods decided the fate of every individual on earth, someone, so a loved one or someone alive who knew them, could control their fate through divination and sacrifices to them. So basically, you better leave friends behind because they also control where you go in the afterlife. Have you um, read the book by Stephen Fry on Greek mythology? No, I haven't. Called Mythos, and it's very oh. good. The The audiobook is even better because Ooh. it talks a lot about the afterlife and you know how how the gods came to be and you know it's it's very very interesting but mm. it's interesting that you know the greeks have still got that sort of heaven and hell concept yeah yeah and it's, it's similar in north paganism north, not north not north norse norse really struggling with my words today aren't i it's all right I've, it's because I've had a. It's, it's because I've gone for herbal tea, not real tea. Oh. That's what it is. Yeah. Um. So, death in North Norse paganism was associated with d diverse customs and beliefs that varied with time, location, and social group, and did not form a structured, uniform system. So, after a funeral, the individual could uh, range of afterlives, including Valhalla, that everyone's mm. heard of. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Did you watch? Um, 
What's that Viking series that I was absolutely obsessed with? See, I I loved Vikings. You liked The Last Kingdom. The Last Kingdom, yeah. Mm. Now, did they have the same um, custom that you had to be... Bear, you had to die with your sword with in your, your sword. hand. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so if you didn't, you wouldn't get to Valhalla, mm-hmm. which is essentially a giant hall, a big festival feast hall, which is ruled by Odin, who is the warrior for the elite and who die in battle. So really, you that's where you want to go. And if you, mm-hmm. you die, because you die in battle and you die with your pride, and you go to Valhalla. But there was also hell, which was a realm that was for those who died of natural causes. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the big hall, but it was mm-hmm. still seen as being okay because, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, living on physically uh, in the landscape. These afterlives showed blurred boundaries and exist alongside a number of minor afterlives that may have also been significant in Nordic paganism. The dead were also seen to be able to bestow land fertility, often in return for votive offerings and knowledge, either willingly or after coercion. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It's, it all sounds quite um, like you'd really want to be heading off to Valhalla, wouldn't you? To have that strength yeah. of faith that you're like, I'm going to go to this place. Mm. I'm going to meet Odin. I'm going to be in the Great Hall. Yeah. Like, have that sort of picture in your mind. Yeah. I mean, so- I I find it fascinating. The whole Vikings and Norse pagan. I just find it really... There was a third one as well. So sailors who died at sea, because um, Vikings' lives centred around seafaring. So a lot of them drowned. You know, a lot of them died at sea. And those ones that did found their afterlife below the depths um, with the giantess called Ram. So I think, as you said, every one of them wanted to go to Valhalla. And so there was kind of uh, the good death, the, the perfect death that they wanted. And so, you know, there was a joyous occasion if you were going to die with your sword in battle. And yeah, you can't get your head around it, can you? It's kind no. of I'm so happy that you're going to die. <laughs> I know. I, and it's, it, I know, I know, obviously, it's a dramatization and depiction of Viking times, as it were, but the whole. Uh, it might be the same in Vikings but in the last kingdom you know they're like send me to Valhalla and I'll see you in Valhalla and it's it's this it's it's almost like this beautiful yeah. future that they have for themselves and I think oh, yes yeah. it's actually quite nice you yeah know, to like believe you're going to such a place where you're going to see each other again yeah and I suppose yeah. that's similar for a lot of religions with the mm. concept of heaven and hell but you know it's I don't like heaven looks different for a lot of people doesn't it yeah totally different you have the clouds and that sort of essence of it but like Valhalla seems like a very literal oh I can see myself there it's like the great wall out of Harry Potter but with a load of Vikings you know what I mean it's like that seems like a physical thing whereas heaven looks different to Mm. everyone maybe yeah and it I mean both it's really funny because with a lot of the Christian faith and those associated, it's how you live your life is what the afterlife is going to be. With Vikings, it's how you die. Mm-hmm. And so that whole concept of living well, it wasn't lost. Vikings did, you know, despite the programs and the, you know, the images of raping and pillaging and so on, it was important that they lived well and honoured the gods. But it was about all how you died as a Viking, which then saw the afterlife and so it had to be that vivid 
Yeah, it's it, it's crazy it's how different different times have mm. uh, have changed, and also we haven't got time to rush into it into huge amounts of detail. But the Egyptians, yes, I mean, I was fascinated with the Egyptian history in school. Like, uh, did you ever watch? Uh, not watch when I was a kid. Before they did it on TV, we had books, you know, with pages. <laughs> well, um, horrible histories. Oh, horrible histories. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the Egyptian one was by far my favorite because I was just like, this is like, they, they almost put so much more mm. into death than they did into their lives. And yeah. the whole process of preparing that person for the afterlife mm pulling their brain out through their nose etc um you know like you've got to think for for everything that they believed of the afterlife that you know they buried their Mm. gods um and their kings in these huge pyramids in temples that were Mm. sealed up mummified you know Mm. with all their gold around them that Mm. they were going to the afterlife how were Mm. they going to do the afterlife with no brain or heart it was in jars, wasn't it? So all the organs were in different jars, but still in the same room. It's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be in a jar. <laughs> You're going to go on. You don't need it in a jar. Sometimes you need a liver in a jar, you, you know, or your heart in a jar. I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like a song to me. Is that a song? <laughs> oh, it was Jar of Hearts, jar. wasn't it? Jar of Hearts. Jar. There we are. Not a heart in a jar. <laughs> Close. Close. Brilliant. Yeah, oh. the Egyptian one was complex. I remember looking at that a little bit and thinking, I'm not going to talk about that in this episode because it was proper complex what they believed in the afterlife. And We could almost yeah. do an entire episode on Egyptian afterlife, couldn't we? On that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, I'll leave you with Buddhism. Okay. Quickly. Yeah. yeah. So um, according to the Buddhist, life's a journey, whereas death is returning to the earth. So most of the religions that believe in reincarnation have a similar idea of where they believe an individual ends up after his death, uh, sorry, after his life, um, despite its slight variations concerning how someone gets to the next reincarnation or achieves nirvana. So according to Buddhism, a Buddha who has attained a state of enlightenment is the only one who gets into nirvana. The highest state of perfect peace and happiness, where one's individual suffering and desires do not exist. So that's nirvana and not everyone gets there. Those who fail to achieve nirvana are reborn immediately after their death where they receive another body. Oh. So that's the idea of reincarnation. So they get another another stab at it then? They get another stab at it until they reach um, that higher state of enlightenment when they then go into nirvana. Did you see um, there was... <sighs> This is going off on a complete another tangent, but did you see there was a film with Mark Wahlberg and it was about the afterlife, but it was about reincarnation? No. And it was basically where you are always designed to meet the same souls that you you oh. you kind of have um the same partners in your life and you will find them again in the next life. Oh, interesting. It wasn't his finest hour. Oh, but, okay. it, but it was an interesting concept for a film that yeah. after you are after you die, you're reborn, and then you find those people that are meant to be in your life again, even though you're in different, you know, forms or whatever. I kind of like that. Kind of don't like that. I'm On wondering another... if Barney, yeah. my dog, like used to be like 
my husband in a different life. I don't know. <laughs> I do love him a lot. <laughs> he does look at me like he could be. <laughs> Who knows? Stop it. Oh, no, that's no. a nice way to end the show. I have to say, that's kind of Katie believes her dog is a reincarnation of her husband. <laughs> you know, str- stranger things have happened. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Lovely. Well, we hope you have enjoyed this quick brew as much as we have. We've it's been great. It's actually been my favorite one. Yeah, it's been so much fun. Um, and yeah, and hopefully it's brought a bit of light to the end of the death series for you um but yep fear not we will be back there's some absolutely incredible strong teas coming up um if you liked what you hear today um and you fancy buying us a coffee please do um on our website we've got a supporting us page and you can click on that and you can buy us a coffee which would be very much appreciated we can fuel our tea bag obsession exactly and we can talk about more nonsense um what what everyone's hoping for isn't it (laughs) (laughs) by popular demand we will do a death in egypt uh, episode as well Um, collaborating with tea we collaborate with tea yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh so thank you ever so much for listening and yeah we will see you next time thanks ever so much everyone Bye. bye